0: Before I read, I'd like to say this, if this last week, if you felt like your performance as a follower of Christ wasn't where it should have been, if maybe even this morning when you were thinking, when you were singing, you were thinking about the regrets you have even from last week, and you think, boy, I really blew it, let me tell you this, you're in the right place. Jesus didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You're in the right place. We're going to be in Jeremiah 12, 1 through 4, as we continue through this wonderful book that is extremely applicable to where we are today even as a nation. And this is what it says. Righteous are you, O Lord, when I complain to you, yet I would plead my case before you. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do all who are treacherous thrive? You plant them and they take root. They grow and produce fruit. You are near in their mouth and far from their heart. But you, O Lord, know me. You see me and test my heart towards you. Pull them out like sheep for the slaughter and set them apart for the day of slaughter. How long will the land mourn and the grass of of every field wither? For the evil of those who dwell in it, the beasts and the birds are swept away. Because they say, he will not see our letter end. This is the word of God. Thanks for coming. And you can be seated. And while you're being seated, please bow with me. Father, your word is perfect and righteous altogether, just as you are. Because, Lord, you cannot be separated from your word. I pray, Lord, that you would please take these truths into our hearts today Help us, Lord, to not only be encouraged by the truth, but help us to also be pricked in conscience by the truth. Lord, your word has a wonderful way of cutting and healing at the same time. And I pray that today would be no different. Lord, point out things in our life where we need to be more like Jesus then help us to be more like Jesus in those areas. And I pray, Lord, that you would help our thinking to be right, our thinking to be corrected When it comes to observing the things in the world, help us to have a godly, righteous, and scriptural perspective. And use this text today to help us in that area. And we pray it in Jesus' name, amen. I've titled the message this morning, Why Do the Wicked Prosper? Why is it that the wicked seem to prosper so much? In this life. Why is that? You've probably asked yourself that question before. I know I have. And you know what? Some of the authors of scripture. Job visits this topic. Look at Job 21 verses 4 through 9. Listen to this. He says, As for me, is my complaint against man? Why should I not be impatient? Look at me and be appalled and lay your hand over your mouth. Remember, he was covered with sores from head to toe. He's basically saying, look at me. And then he says this: When I remember I'm dismayed and shudder shuddering seizes my flesh, why do the wicked live reach old age? Grow mighty in power. Their offspring are established in their presence, and their descendants before their eyes, their houses are safe from fear, and no rod of God is upon them. Job has asked that question too. Job has felt that sense of seems almost like injustice, right, in the land Listen to Psalm 73, verses 4 and 5. The author of this this psalm visited this as well. He says, For, in the context, context, it's the wicked. For the wicked have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. That That was a time in history where it was good to be fat. I mean, you had a lot of food and ease. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They're not in trouble as others are. They're not stricken like the rest of mankind. Habakkuk also visits this topic in chapter 1 of his book, and so does Malachi in chapter 3 of his book. So we're not alone in looking around and, and seeing, why is it that people who are so foul and vile seem to be so prosperous, seem to be doing so well? Why is that? We wrestle with this just as the biblical authors have. And the reason why we wrestle with this is because we know, we can read the scriptures and we know that according to the covenants of God that he made with the patriarchs of old, he spells it out clearly that his blessings will come upon those who walk according to his ways and his curses will fall upon those who walk in disobedience to his ways. It's very clear. And then we look around and we say, life is... Seems to be showing me another picture sometimes, though, Lord. I don't get it. Just Google highest paid actors. Just Google that. You'll find a list of foul-mouthed, perverse men and women whose lives reflect the opposite of what the Lord says makes for a righteous life. Many of them do drugs. Many of them are on their second, third wife or husband or could care less about marriage and find no problem with fornication at all. And their views on marriage, money, sexuality, God are so contrary to scripture, yet they're some of the wealthiest individuals on earth and people will stand in line for hours to get their autograph, wear their face on their shirt, and even name their children after them. Google also highest-paid athletes. You'll find those who've worshipped at the altar of the sport and even sacrificed their families there because they're so consumed with that competition. Many of them have divorced spouses. The spouse wasn't on board with the other one climbing that ladder, getting to the top, They say, well then you're in my way. Get out of my way. I'm pursuing this goal of being the best at my sport. You're not on board, well then you're out. I don't care if we made covenant vows. Men divorcing wives and and some of the female athletes who chase that goal, you get caught up in that life, find themselves pregnant and abort their children because the child doesn't fit with that career goal. Yet these people weekly enjoy the applause of the crowds and a lucrative reward and brand and deal endorsements. You can Google some of the lyrics of the highest paid musicians and find very quickly that what's being pumped through the airwaves and pumped through cell phones Is foul, wretched, meaningless, godless. And these people have net worths of hundreds of millions of dollars. Actually, the rapper Jay Z and also Paul McCartney have a net worth of over a billion dollars each. And it's not working harder, it's not working hard to make money that I'm disparaging, even if you work hard and make a lot of money. I'm not saying that that's bad either. You can work hard and make money. You can work hard and make a lot of money even, as long as how you're doing it is not in a bad way. See, it's how you're working to make that money. It's what you're doing to make that money and who you really are in the eyes of God with all that money. That's what we're talking about. That's where the rub comes in when it comes to the followers of God, looking on, scratching their heads, wondering why the wicked seem to prosper and live long and experience the best that this world has to offer. We say, I don't get it, Lord. While we ourselves, who are not making a practice of those ways, believing that, Lord, okay, yes, definitely not perfect, <laughs> definitely have a long way to go. But, Lord, you know that I'm not actively trying to sin against you. You know I'm, I'm actively trying to push sin out of my life with your help and repenting of it often. And, boy, it's hard for me. And I look at these wicked people who hate you. And they have so much. I don't get it, Lord That's the very topic that Jeremiah is talking about. Who can identify with this? Jeremiah wants to talk to the Lord about this thing that he's noticing. And this is what he says in verse 1. Righteous are you, O Lord, when I complain to you, yet I would plead my case before you. Now, he uses the word complain because we know we're not supposed to complain. But he uses the word complain totally appropriate to translate this word that way, but let me tell you, more often it's translated contend or plead. That's how, th- this word in Hebrew is more often translated in the Old Testament as like contend or plead. So he's saying, Lord, you're righteous when I contend with you, when I plead with you, yet I would, he says, plead my case before you, yet I would talk with you, speak with you. Actually, some translations even translate it that way, talk or speak with you, because that's what this word can also be translated as. It's okay. I like this verse. Well, I like them all. But I like this verse too because it shows that we can talk with God frankly. Now, how we talk to him, hmm. that's a little bit different, right? Maybe your mom or your grandmother or somebody's told you, you can be right in what you say, but wrong in how you say it. It's okay to come to the Lord with frustrations as long as you're not shaking your fist and saying, you've done something wrong. I'm angry at you. I'm the judge now, and you're in the dock. So you're going to listen That's the wrong attitude. And that's not what he's doing because how does he start? Righteous are you, O Lord. He starts out with saying, you're right in everything that you do. Everything you do is right and good and wonderful. But I'm confused. There's a tension here I've got in my head and my heart. So I want to talk with you about it. That's okay to talk with God that way. That's one reason why I love this verse. It's okay to talk to God that way. Not in this way. Something happened in my life that I don't like. Therefore, you're wrong and I'm mad. So I don't even want to talk to you. That's wrong. That's a wrong attitude. We don't approach God that way. He approaches him by saying, righteous are you. He starts with praise. He starts with facts. Righteous are you, O Lord. I want to talk to you about this though. I want to plead my case with you. Because in our context, you might remember last week, there was a death threat upon his life. Even the men of his own town were trying to kill him, wanted to kill him. And why did they want to kill him? Because he was speaking the truth. If you weren't here last week, that's what it was all about. He was speaking the truth. He was walking in obedience to God. And the people wanted to kill him. He didn't know about it until God made him aware of it. And it was even the people of his hometown who wanted to kill him. Kill him. Not just stop talking to him. Not just say, let's, let's, let's contact the HOA and see if we can get him to maybe move out. <clears throat> they wanted to kill him. So here he is, walking in obedience to the Lord, suffering for the Lord, having death threats upon his life. Why? Because he's walking in obedience to God. He's doing what God wants him to do. And what does he get? Death threats. Plots, and he looks around at the evil ones and everything's going wonderfully for them it seems and he says I'm confused why does the way of the wicked prosper why do all who are treacherous thrive that word prosper it has the idea of something rushing upon them mightily. It's translated that way elsewhere in scriptures. It's got this idea of something rushing upon you mightily with great force. So what's rushing upon these people with great force is what? Prosperity, profit, good things. They've got it in abundance, it seems. Also, what do they thrive? Safety. Actually, if you're reading the King James, you'll see this. It says, uh, why are they um, happy? Why are the treacherous happy? They're happy. They're at ease. They're safe. I don't understand. Look at this, verse 2. You plant them, and they take root. They grow and produce fruit. Lord, you've put them there, and they're just, they are like a tree planted by a nice brook. And it is fed constantly, the roots are going deep, and it's even making fruit. You are near in their mouth and far from their heart. Some translations translate that as but far from their heart. They talk about you even but their hearts are far from you. And I'm confused, Lord, why you're not doing something about it. And we are all like that sometimes, right? I mean, I've, I've thought that. I've struggled with that. I used to work somewhere where, well, when I was in car sales. If you were dishonest, you made more money. And I heard the other salesman doing it, and they made more money, and that was the most lucrative job I've ever had. It was, but I couldn't stay there because of the lies and lies and lies and lies. I just couldn't do it anymore. One of my managers came in my office one day and lied to my customers' faces. And then he walked out of the office, and I said, excuse me a moment. And I went up to this man, I was so mad. I went up to this man who could have thrown me across the parking lot. Okay, he was huge. But I was so mad because everything done in my office was always done in truth and integrity. And I was so mad, I got up in his face and I said, Don't ever come in my office and lie to my customers ever again. And it was after that I had to leave, I couldn't be around it anymore. His car was nicer than mine. His house was nicer than mine. (laughs) And he was a liar. And it was frustrating because I was trying to do everything in integrity. And God encouraged me one day. He said, A clean conscience and integrity is worth more. And that's true. And so we look around sometimes and we say, why is it like this, though? Why is it like this? Well, one reason it's like this is because of Luke 4. Look at Luke 4, 5 through 7. This is when the devil was tempting Jesus. We spoke about this a few weeks ago. But like I've reminded you, we're leaky buckets. We're always leaking truth. So let me remind you of this again. Why is it that the wicked thrive so much? When the devil was tempting Jesus, he said this, It says this in Luke 4, 5 through 7. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And he said to him, to you, I will give all this authority and their glory for it has been delivered to me. And I give it to whom I will. That's the devil talking to Jesus. saying, for the moment, God's put all this under my care at one level. God's the big boss. But at one level, the devil has been given authority over some of these things of the world, kingdoms. And he can give it to whoever he wants. And he says, I'll give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And we know, of course, Jesus is not such a fool. And he fights him as we have to fight as well, with the truth. It's written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. That's all it took, that's all it took. That phrase, and the devil left him. That phrase. Don't ever think that you're not equipped to fight the devil. You don't don't need to know very much scripture to fight the devil. You have to be totally convinced of those truths though and see them as precious. But did you know Jesus quoted from the same book every time he fought the devil? Deuteronomy, every time. Every time he quoted scripture from one book. You might say, Cohen, I don't know a lot of scripture. I'm not going to be a very effective Christian. Not true. You don't have to know much. You just need to know some great, awesome truths and be gripped by them. Believe them with all your heart. Why did the wicked prosper? One reason is because they follow the devil's wages. I mean, they follow the devil's ways and they get the devil's wages. They follow the devil's ways, so they get the devil's wages. The devil says, "I'll reward you." You fell into my delusions and my deceptions and my ways. therefore, I'll give you this, so you'll stay with me. Let's call it a bonus. I want you to stay. So I'm going to give you things that will help you stay. Pleasures and riches, all the cares of this life. As you remember, though, when Jesus was talking about the sower and the soils, one of the soils was a thorny ground. And he says, this stands for those who hear the word, but the worries, cares, and riches of this life grow up with the word and choke it out. This is what we get. They've thrown the Bible away. They've thrown truth away. They don't want that anymore. Why? They have the riches of this world, they have the accolades of man. <laughs> that tastes really good to the flesh. Let's just be honest. It does, right? A- applause. Wow. Wow. And lots of money. That feels good to the flesh. It just does. It does. And the devil says, okay, I'll give you more then, but you have to keep following my ways. So he's got the question of why. Do you see that in verse 1? Why does the way of the wicked prosper? And he says about himself, and look at verse 3. Because he sees the hypocrisy of these people. They talk about you, but their hearts are far. Look at verse 3. But you, O Lord, know me. You see me. You test my heart towards you. Lord, you know I'm not intentionally walking in wickedness. You know I'm not intentionally trying to disobey your ways. I'm actually intentionally trying to follow your ways. You know that about me. Lord is what he's saying. Pull them out like sheep for the slaughter. Earlier he mentioned, you plant them and they grow. Now he's saying, pull them out. Yank them out. Give them what they deserve. And now we're saying, well, we have to be careful when we talk like that. Because if God gave us all what we deserve, well, we'd all be in hell. 100%. That's what we all deserve. But there was one man who did not deserve any of that, yet he died as if he did, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're in here today and you don't know him, let me tell you this, you can know him. God can forgive you of your sins. And he will if you turn to him. Turning away from your sins, put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ who took the punishment for you. Christ died for sinners. And Paul said, of whom I am chief. We have to admit our sin to the Lord. We have to admit that we need him that we've transgressed his laws and also believe that what he did for me is sufficient for me. Jesus Christ, that's the only way to get to God because God put the words in Jesus' mouth when he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, and he meant it, and it's true. You can come to him today, and when you do, you will actually have a heightened sense of justice and you will look around and you will see wickedness. And you'll hate it. You'll hate it in your own life. And you'll hate it out in the world as well. And that's why Jeremiah is saying, Lord, pluck them, pull them out for the slaughter. They wanted to slaughter me earlier. Last week, he mentioned that they said about him, let's, let's kill him. And he's saying, I'm, I'm like a lamb being led to slaughter here, Lord. And so now he's praying, Lord, lead them to the slaughter." I want your justice to fall upon them. I, I look at this wickedness and I hate it. And we as Christians look at wickedness and we hate it. That's why we're pro-life. Because we love children and we don't want anyone to murder them. That's why we're against homosexuality because it's a perversion of what God made originally. One man, one woman, for life, united. That's why we hate any sin. Fornication because it destroys God's union example of a man and a woman in covenant marriage together forever, which God even says is a picture of Christ in his church. All sins we hate because they're a perversion of what's right. And so does Jeremiah. Pull them out. Set them apart for the day of slaughter. His first question was, why? Why is it like this? Why are they prospering? His next question is this. Look at verse 4. How long? Why, Lord? How long, Lord? Have you ever had those questions? We don't always get the answers we want, do we? Why is it like this, Lord? Why did this happen, Lord? We don't always get the answer. Nor do we always get the answer to how long, do we? How long what? How long would the land mourn, the grass of every field wither? There was a drought on the land, in the land. For the evil of those who dwell in it The beasts and the birds are swept away. Their sin was affecting other life around them. Their bad choices were making it bad for other people and other things even. He's saying there's a drought on the land because of them. And we know it's because of them. Listen to Deuteronomy. 11, verses 16 through 18, this is when the Lord tells them, if you walk my ways, I'll bless you. If you walk contrary to my ways, you can expect things like this. Listen to verses 16 and 18. Take care lest your heart be deceived, and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you, and he will shut up the heavens so that there will be no rain, and the land will yield no fruit, and you will perish quickly off the good land that the Lord your God's given you. You shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart and your soul. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be frontless between your eyes. Had they done verse 18, verse 17 wouldn't have happened. Had they stayed true to the Lord and his word, they would not be experiencing this drought. The Lord said he would send upon those who were deceived and went after other gods and worshiped them. So now there's a drought upon the land. Jeremiah saying, "Look, even the animals are suffering because of their wickedness. How long, Lord? How long? And we experience this sometimes. Why? How long? We don't always get the answer from the Lord in an audible voice, but I'll tell you this: He's given you enough of an answer in the word. You know what I noticed about the Christian walk. And I've noticed this in Christians that I've observed as well. When we're babies in the faith and we don't know much scripture, we usually tend to rely more on our feelings and kind of what just we sort of sense. And I think the Lord is accommodating in the beginning for that. But I've noticed the more we're in the scriptures, the less he wants us to rely on sort of a gut feeling and just sort of like a hunch. Why? Well, because then we've got more of the road map, and he doesn't need to keep speaking and speaking and speaking or giving a feeling. Because I can remember that as a young Christian, experiencing something once in a church service, and I just thought, this just doesn't feel right. I don't know if it is, but I'll pray about it. Went home, prayed about it, and woke up feeling, I, I don't think that was right. I feel sure now that that, that that wasn't right. But then it was a few months later, I was listening to the Bible as I was driving back and forth um, to college at that time. I had it on, um, actually I think my radio was broken. So what I would do is I would listen to my Walkman in my car as I drove. It's just cheaper than buying a new head unit. So I was listening to it and thank the Lord I was in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 which dealt with that specific topic and I thought, and it it laid it out clearly in the scriptures. I thought, that's why that felt wrong, because it is wrong, and it's right here in the scriptures. So we don't have to rely on feelings when we get the truth of the word laid out for us. God wants us to devour this truth and depend on this truth right here in front of us. So where has he encouraged us? Where has He answers some questions for us so that the why and and, and how long doesn't feel so much like a uh, hurt in our heart. Psalm 37. Let's go there. Psalm 37. You get to have it on the screen behind you. Let me turn there. I love this, and you will too, Fret not yourself because of evildoers, nor be envious of wrongdoers. That should encourage you too. You ever envied wrongdoers? I've not envied them for their wrongdoing, but I've envied them because of the prosperity they had. have driving down in a broke down car with no AC. I was so we were so poor at that point, we couldn't even, uh, we were just, we just poe. We couldn't even afford the other O-R. I've told you that before, right? We were just poe. We couldn't even afford the whole word. And you look at others they are lying and cheating on really nice cars with air conditioning. And you think, what gives? Fret not yourself because of evil evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers. Why? For they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. That drought that's upon the land, the withered grass, the dried up herb, that's a picture of them. That's where they're going. That's a picture for the righteous. This is their end. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land And befriend faithfulness. Don't just trust in God. Also do good, he says. Because you'll be tempted sometimes. You see all that? You almost just think, "Why? why am I even doing this? Why am I even doing this? Now, if you're truly his, you won't stay there. He won't let you stay there. He won't let you have a pity party for too long. He doesn't let me, at least. Verse four, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the Desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. He'll bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noon day. There's that justice that we want. We want justice. Why is it so good for those who are so wicked? And why are these other people and the land affected by their wickedness? I don't like this. He'll bring the justice. Verse seven, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Remember that question, how long, how long, how long? God says, wait patiently. Fret not yourself over the ones who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Don't fret because of them. He's saying, don't fret because of them. You're all like worried about it. He's saying, don't fret. See, I love this. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Ever get angry because of the wicked? I know you do. I do. Especially when their wickedness affects you, right? Forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. Don't get pulled into their ways. Don't mimic them. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. Listen to this. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. The meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. The wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes his teeth at him. Like what happened to Jeremiah? Like maybe what's happened to you? Maybe at your workplace? Maybe in your family? Right? But the Lord laughs at the wicked. He sees that his day is coming. Only two times in the Psalms does it say that the Lord laughs. Two times. In chapter 2 and also in this chapter And each time it's in response to the wicked. The wicked thinking they're better. The wicked thinking they're mightier. The wicked thinking their ways are going to prosper. And God (laughs) says, (laughs) No, no. You're not as strong, mighty, wise, or rich as you think you are. You will go toe to toe with me one day, and you will lose. He laughs at the wicked. The wicked draw the sword, bend their bow to bring down the poor and the needy, like they were going to do for Jeremiah, right? Here he is. Let's get him. Their sword shall enter their own heart, and their bows shall be broken. Better is the little that the righteous has than the abundance of many wicked There was a verse just like this in the Proverbs that says something very similar. I wrote that down on a Post-it note and I put it on my computer at work when I was working at that dealership to remind me, don't worry about them. You're not gonna sell as many cars as they do because you tell the truth. But it's better to have little and be righteous than to have the abundance of the wicked. Look what's going to happen to them the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. This shouldn't encourage you when you see the wicked prospering. You come here. You have to come to the truth for this encouragement. Turn also to Psalm 73. That was Psalm 37. Now we're going to go to 73. Just flip them. This will help you remember these places and go to them when you're feeling these ways because you're going to feel this way sometimes. If you live on planet Earth, you're going to see this happening again and again and again. The wicked prospering. The false prophets even prospering. Which that's to, that to me is more of an anomaly than people of the world, when I see people who are speaking on behalf of God, purposefully deceiving people for money, I think, how patient is the Lord? Why is that man's heart not stopping right now in his chest? Look at this. Truly God, truly God is good to Israel to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My feet had nearly slipped. How? Why? Why they almost slipped? For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. That's a slippery slope when you start to envy the wicked. For they had no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They're not in trouble as others are. They're not stricken like the rest of mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swell out through fatness. Their hearts overflow with follies. They scoff and speak with malice. Loftiness, they threaten oppression. They set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue struts through the earth. Therefore, his people turn back to them and find no fault in them. And they say, how can God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? See, they don't think there's going to be an account. The wicked don't believe there's going to be an account, a day of judgment. Do you think it would be advantageous for the devil to convince them of that, to deceive them that there's no last day where they will give an account? Oh, yes, it would surely keep them on that path if they were convinced there's nothing after I die. Nothing. It's just nothingness. I just cease to exist. What a good deception. That would surely keep them on that path, wouldn't it? I mean, wouldn't you convince them of that if you were him and you wanted them to stay in your camp? The best way to stay out of someone's radar is to convince them I'm not, I don't even exist. How can God know, they say. Verse 12, behold, these are the wicked, always at ease. <laughs> they increase in riches. All in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. See, there's that emotion we sometimes have. What's, why am I even doing this? Why am, I, why am I even following the Lord sometimes? I just Why? Now, we don't stay there. We don't stay there. It should be a fleeting thought that you push out of your head quickly with the help of the Holy Spirit. If you ever think that, why am I even doing this? God should correct you quickly. Verse 14, for all day long, I've been stricken and rebuked every morning. If I had said, I will speak thus, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. Now look at this. This is so important. But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. I don't get it, God. Why is it like this? See, he's saying it was wearisome when I thought about this. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I discerned their end. Do you see that? When I went to where you are, and to where you're worshipped, and to where your truth is central, that's when I understood everything. That's when I was helped. That's when I was at ease. That's why so many are tempted to not go to church not be around those who love the Lord and definitely not be in the word because that's where you're helped. That's where your thinking is made focused. That's where you get that laser beam focus that goes right to your heart and you say, oh, now I'm encouraged. Now I know how to think rightly about this. Now I can keep going in this world where things seem so contrary. It doesn't bother me. I'm going to focus on the Lord and I'm going to tell others how to focus on him too and I am going to invite them to church And I'm going to keep doing good. And I'm going to be like Jesus Christ. Even though I look around and I see things how I wish they weren't. Guys, this is where we get our encouragement. When you start to struggle with this. I don't like it either. I don't like it either. Just like you. I don't like the false prophets in the the land. I hate that so much of our entertainment is just Filth and meaningless and godless. I can't stand it either. And they're applauded by the world. And so many of our young people just rush after them and say, yeah, I I, want to be like them. I don't like it either. I hate it, actually. And I don't use that word often. You can ask my kiddos. I don't use it much. But I do hate that. And we should as well. So when we start thinking envious thoughts about the wicked, I kind of want to be like them. Go to the house of God. Surround your people. Surround yourself with the people of God and saturate your mind with the truth of God so that you can think like God and be like God and not be envious of the wicked. Amen? I hope this is helpful for you. I hope this is. I wanted to bring this to you to encourage you. Jeremiah's gone through it. You've gone through it. Others have gone through it. This is how we fight it. And this is how we stay on the right path because this is trying to get you off the path. The devil's always trying to get you off the path the path. Do you understand that? This will keep you on the true path. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, I love the fact that your word has everything for us that we need, everything that we need for our encouragement, to have the right focus, to have the right mindset, to be like Jesus Christ. It's all here in the word, Lord, as we saw in Psalm 37 and Psalm 73. This helps us, Lord, when we're going through a Jeremiah moment like he was going through in chapter 12. Looking around, seeing how things seem so contrary to logic and how we think they should be. I pray that you would encourage us with the word. Help us to be like Jesus in this world until the last day or until our last day. Help us to be like him and we'll thank you for that. In his perfect name, amen.